I could not believe what a difference one night of 31 degree temperatures made on our veg from the summer. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's gotta be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of November 10, 2010. We had been watching the temperature each night, and each night the forecast low was 32, uh, 31, and we would go out the next morning and everything looked okay. We're thinking, okay, frost isn't a big problem. And then we had a night when the forecast low was 31, and on our uh, thermometer it showed 31, and we went out, and that day the effect was devastating. Yeah. I mean, well, we say devastating. We, We figured... The summer garden would end at some point, so it wasn't as if it happened in the middle of the summer, but it was kind of surprising to see the effects of that. Um, for example, the well, I think the first thing we saw, noticed were the squashes, zucchini, um, watermelons, watermelons. well, the watermelon I had already pretty much clipped before it happened. Absolutely. You had clipped the watermelon and the cantaloupe. My point is that the foliage foliage. really went down hard after that uh, third night Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, obviously that was the the killing frost that Mm -hmm. we were sort of awaiting. Yeah, and the other squash as well, which of which I'm, I'm also including the pumpkins in that, the foliage from the pumpkins as well as the winter squash was also pretty dead looking and um i harvested most of what was out there except for a couple of uh winter squashes and a couple of pumpkins that looked as though they needed some more ripening and um i'll probably pull those in the next few days though oh i think we probably will yeah. if if there's still anything there it could be that they uh, already have been damaged what was now, interesting- i'm talking about the fruit though I mean, I'll, yeah. Oh, Hopefully. you you think the pumpkin, the, the actual fruit is going to be okay? Oh, yeah. I, I just okay. want it to get as ripe as it possibly can. It, it was interesting to me because of what I remember from last year is when everything else had shut down, the African blue basil was still going strong. This year, the African blue basil went down with everything else. Yeah. The tomatoes also. Um, yeah. Tomatoes gone. are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, any tomato that was out there is is history now. But luckily I did go through and um take off all the green tomatoes. I hope they all ripen up for us, but I know I, we've I, got a, a good sized basket of yeah, green tomatoes yeah. we're waiting to harvest. Including uh, waiting some of the enjoy, so. and including some of the Cherokee purple. Yeah. So uh, right now they're Cherokee green. <laughs> well, as we have discussed before, the, this last burst of activity has been by far the most productive for tomatoes of the whole summer. That's true. It has been. Um, the last time I checked, though, um, the banana peppers were still Yeah, the banana strong. peppers seem to have made it through okay. They got a yeah. little bit of damage, yeah, but they're bit. still hanging mm-hmm. in there. 
And what just amazed me, you have not had a chance to see this because you've been away from the farm all day today, the okra, God love them, are still coming out. They're still green. They're still producing pods. These are African plants. How come they're still there? I don't know. God bless them. I know. I do love okra, so I really hate to, you know, I hate to uh, see that end. And it will at some point. But of course. I want to prolong it as long as we can. And we should mention how well our uh, the fall veg that we've planted underneath the row cover is doing. Still looks just as happy as it can be. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Brussels sprouts, three varieties of cabbage, broccoli, broccoli. kale, mm-hmm. and collards. Mm-hmm. And we actually had some of the collards for supper the other night, and a little and, bit of kale. And outside the row cover, we've got chard looking good, two or three different varieties of lettuce. They're mm-hmm. all uh, looking good. Yeah. A few of your ornamentals are still hanging in there. Those yeah. uh, canna lilies mm-hmm. that you planted, yeah. they don't look like they're cut back yet. No, and uh, th- hopefully the rhizomes, you know, the, the plant will survive. It's just, right. you know, the, the foliage. Right. Um, and, of course, the um, um, I planted garlic the other day, So, but that's under the ground. And that's under the ground, and presumably it's doing just fine. Um, we're, we've continued to water it. Um, I did cut back on the drip irrigation time for everything except Zone 1, where your fall veg is planted. We're continuing to give the fall veg three hours twice a week, uh, but we've cut back to one hour for the um, veg hill west, which is basically shut down. I was going to say, there's not much out there anymore. And um, one hour twice a week for the blueberries and the uh, west bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I, I guess one thing that still was going, but we harvested this week, were our sweet potatoes. Oh, I wanted to mention, before we get to sweet potatoes, I made a pass along your herb bed this morning. Oh. And the mint's still looking good. Your sage is still looking good. The uh, rosemary's still hanging in there. Curry. Curry. Curry's still looking good. good. So you've got several herbs that made it through the frost okay, for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, also, the sun hemp <laughs> appears to have yeah. survived the frost okay, and we, we need to bring it on down just because mm-hmm. um, we need it, it, we don't need it to get any bigger, so right. it needs to come on down. Yeah, tell us about the sweet potatoes. Well, what we learned from reading is that uh, we didn't need to leave the sweet potatoes in the ground f- during a frost. In other words, before the it, we had our first freeze, we knew it was time to dig those up. And so uh, one of those, actually, it was a couple of days before we had the, the freeze. Right. We got them out of the ground. And um, you did a little research with um, George Washington Carver's treatment of sweet potatoes. You want to talk about that? Well, you know, the nice thing about uh, George Washington Carver is he was operating in an age before uh, insecticides and pesticides and herbicides. So he's basically our organic guru, and he talks about you know how to grow sweet potatoes, how to sweeten up the ground where they're growing, um, how to harvest them, and how to cure them, and right. how to and, store them. And, and that's what I was hoping you would get to, okay, is to talk okay. a little I, bit about that. I, I got off the subject. No, that's I? okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but what he said that you need to do to cure them 
is to he recommends spreading them out on a screen door outside after you harvest them and we made the mistake of waiting too long to harvest them because we harvested them harvested them the day when it was scheduled to be frost that night right which meant we couldn't leave them outside we had to bring them on in to protect them from getting frozen so we spread them out on the floor of the the shop, and that's where they are now. They're and, spread out. And I remember you ran a fan on them all night. Well, we talked about doing that, but I opted oh, not did, to oh, do you that. Didn't do it. I didn't okay. run the fan. You wanted to keep some ventilation going, though. Exactly. So. We left the doors open as long as we could and whenever we could, and then we closed the doors when we knew we had to protect the sweet potatoes from freezing. Um, but they seem to be doing just fine now. We have some nice video of that, and the only thing that's keeping us from putting it up on the site is we've got to shoot that stand-up uh, clothes showing right. the potatoes spread out mm -hmm. on the shop floor, and, and then I guess you're going to take them and put them in baskets right. to, we'll uh, store them. to store them, and we'll probably do a little bit of that for the video, and then we'll be ready to post that, so that should be up in the next day or two. And, you know, as far as the number of sweet potatoes, last year we just had... I, I would say a shovel full. I mean, it was <laughs> I was thinking the same small. thing. It was like a one shovel full. And this year we got four produce baskets full. And, and I, I mean the kind of the the large size, not a bushel. No, it's uh, more type. like a peck basket. Yeah, like a peck basket. Um, so, but but we had a lot of plants out there. So we really thought we'd have even more than we do. Yes, we we were a little disappointed in what we got this year, but we sort of think we understand why we didn't get more. Um, uh, bad soil. And bad soil and tight, soil. compacted soil, I Lots think. Lots of rocks. Uh, that's one thing that Carver talks about is how important it is for the soil to be loose. And, of course, we didn't do it that way. Uh, we're learning. The sweet potatoes were growing in fairly tight, heavy soil. And as a result, they look kind of tortured. When you, when you look at the potatoes, they're curled up and twisted and gnarled and not all knotted. Of them. Not all of them. Not all of them, but a good many of them. Yeah. It's interesting to look out over that uh, those potatoes spread out on the shop floor and realize fully 40% of these would be rejected by any retail operator. You know, you just say, I can't sell that. It's too ugly. It's weird shaped. Weird, weird shaped, yeah. Um, and isn't it interesting, uh, you and I are learning to enjoy produce that we know no grocer would dare put out on his or her shelves. But it'll taste good. But it'll taste great, and we're looking forward to it. Um, oh, the other problem that we had was uh, some splitting. Some of them split. A good point. We've got some that we need to go ahead and eat because if we don't, we're going to they won't last. Right. And didn't we? Didn't you find out um, that one of the reasons that they might have split is that there was too much water on them yes. at the end? That's one of the things that we have learned and, and will be careful of in the future is we, we need to cut down on the water they receive as they approach harvest time. Mm -hmm. They got too much water yeah. to, at the end there. Which is another one of those crops that may, we may want to just put on its own, you know, put it on a separate line, drip line. 
yeah, somehow get it to a point where it'll be on a row that we can turn off um, as right. harvest time approaches. Right. So let's think through all the things we will be careful to do next year. First, we will be careful to work the soil before we plant the sweet potatoes, build up a mound in which we can plant the sweet potatoes so they have some loose soil in which to mm -hmm. uh, form tubers. I might plant even more plants than might I did this year. Might plant more plants than we did this year, that's right. We also talked about trellising the foliage so that it's got a, a nice, comfortable way to grow um, and doesn't have to spread out into the aisle right. in order to Yes, thrive. yeah, that's it. Well, I think we pretty much have decided that you can't trellis the entire plant because the potato needs to be under the soil. So, you know, even though you had mentioned trellising sweet potatoes, that is not really an option. Well, what we're talking about trellising is the portion that's above ground. I mean, you're obviously not going to trellis the tubers. They form in the soil. Right. But I'm talking about offering the sweet potatoes a trellis so they can grow, so the foliage mm -hmm. can can seek higher right. ground. And we'll continue to do some research about that yeah. part of it. Um, and the other thing we will be careful to do, as we've already discussed, is to limit the water as the tubers um, form. Right. Um, just go ahead and take your hand away from the microphone and let's, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then I think the other thing we learned is harvest them two weeks earlier. Yes, we need to harvest them so that we have time to let them cure outside. Before it's going to freeze. Before it's going to freeze, right. that's right. right. Well, uh, before we run out of time, let's talk a little bit about our liming, what we've done to amend our soil for yeah. this year. Um, we knew we had to lime the soil, and the recommendation was a one ton per acre, and um, so... We talked with the folks at Elmore, Found Elmore County Farmers Co-op, and they sent their liming truck out here, which worked great on the orchard. Yeah, He's got a, a nice-sized truck that he can drive um, a, in a lot of places that I wasn't sure a truck would go, but it's pretty nimble and has these nice, big, fat tires that enable him to travel in places where you would not normally expect a truck to go. And he was able to cover the entirety of the orchard, including the area we're planning to expand into, you know, the woods. That's good. He yeah. was able to throw lime out into the woods where we will be clearing later. Um, what didn't work well was uh, using that powder on Veg Hill. That was most unsatisfactory. Yeah. And you ended up having to do most of that, uh, the spreading of that. With a hose? Well, I, hose I ended out. up trying to do it, but honestly, it you know I just don't have any confidence that we have gotten good coverage. So um, one of the things I did today while you were away from the farm is I ended up going by uh, Farmer's Feed in Wetumpka, and we are now the proud owners of 15 bags of pelletized lime. Oh, good. So I will be spreading that on Veg Hill in the next few days so we can have confidence that we are doing a good job of raising that soil pH. Well, I hope we're not overdoing it if we've already put that other out there. I honestly don't think there's any risk of that. Mm -hmm. I think we're in good shape. I, I sort of know where I was able to spread it, and I will avoid putting pelletized lime there. 
Um, but there are plenty of there's plenty of veg hill that didn't get any line. Yeah, and I guess it's just not um, the logistics of trying to apply powder lime to a vegetable garden and rows. It's just you know just doesn't work. Well, it would work fine if we could reach it with his truck. Right, you know, but we if, can't. But we can't do that as. We have told you before, Veg Hill is off limits to motorized vehicles now. It's all enclosed in deer yeah. fence. It's all. And every, um, you know, if we can't reach it with a wheelbarrow, we can't reach it. Yeah. So um, there's, you, there's no way it would make sense to try to drive a truck onto Veg Hill to do the liming from that. So we're then talking about spreading lime manually and, I sort of thought I'd be able to walk out with a wheelbarrow full of powdered lime, grab a coffee cup, gr- coffee can, and just kind of fling it out in t- over yeah. the crop. But it just—I don't—I didn't feel good at all about the uniformity of what I was getting. Yeah. It just seemed like I was—I'd throw it up in the air, and it would all come down in one spot. You know, and, and I didn't feel good about that yeah. at all. So. Well, it sounds as if you've solved the problem, at least for this year, or this application. And as long as this product is available, I imagine it's what we will do on Veg Hill. Yeah. You pay a little bit extra for pelletized lime, but um, of course, you know, it could be we'll try it and we'll figure out it doesn't work either, but I, I think it will. Yeah. So. Um. Well, good. So at least we're making strides. Oh, one thing we should mention, we also paid a visit to Petals from the Past yesterday. Had a nice conversation with Dr. Arlie Powell about our plans for the orchard expansion. We went up there to get a tour of the orangery, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. He has some really neat citrus growing in North Alabama now. Um, it's not so north. I would say central, s- central. Central, kind of north central. Yeah. yeah. He's near Jemison, Alabama. And... Uh, but but here you know in Jemison, Alabama, he's growing oranges and lemons and um, kumquat and what am I leaving out? Uh, uh, well, there were satsuma oranges and I guess what would you call yeah mandarins. Yeah. And, but yeah, it was a really nice array of, of fruit. We we fully expect we will be trying to grow some citrus, but we're thinking we will. Um, have a very small presence of it on the south wall of the lodge. That's right. really where we're thinking now will sort be sort of a our, microclimate. Exactly. Area. That's the, that's our thought. We could create a separate structure, uh, sort of a poor man's orangery, uh, but I think we've decided it's not that important to us to have a big. Um, presence there so we're probably going to confine that to the south wall of the lodge right uh, but I, I guess for my purposes the the most gratifying part of the trip was getting some confirmation for our strategy for the orchard expansion right. we had a brief conversation with Arlie about what we're planning to do and how we're hand, planning to handle stumps and trees and so forth, and basically got confirmation that it that what we're doing makes sense. Right. So now we just have to do it, don't we? We have our work cut out for us, and and you this will be sort of like the deer fence. You're going to be hearing about the orchard expansion in the weeks to come because it's going to be a big deal in our lives. Right. 
But good. Well, it's getting late, so I guess it's time for us to sign off for the evening. And say good night. Uh, this has been a fairly late podcast for us just because you've been away from the farm, and uh, now it's supper time. So. That's right. But have a good week, and we'll catch up with you next time. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.